do you also remember when we were talking to Doug last time and I asked, well, why would you guys want to make sure that you clarified your brand? Wouldn't you want Zamboni to be synonymous with ice resurfacing like a Kleenex? And you said, well, what about negative publicity? And you pointed out an incident that happened. And then here, what, a month and a half later, this happens. And so we get the perfect example of why it's so important to protect the brand. Welcome to this week's episode of Rink Stories. Your host, Bob Winter. Thank you, Matt. And welcome to episode 26 of the Rink Stories podcast. This is Bob Winter. And behind the glass, as always, producing out of Remsen Ave Productions Studio in Beverly Hills, California, Matt Hoff. What's cooking, Matt? You know, we came to find out that it wasn't a Zamboni that was cooking, Bob. It was some other company's ice resurfacing machine. Brand X, we like to call it around here. Yeah, we don't want to call them out. We just want to make sure we protect the brand of the, you know, our pals over at the Zamboni company. Could have happened to anybody, really. Uh, what's the proper word for it? Were we foretelling when we asked why you would be such a protector of the brand? And he mentioned the negative publicity they received once before when the misinformed people felt that a quote-unquote Zamboni. It was a prescient question, Matt. Is that the, is that the word we're looking for? Prescient? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we talked about the, the synecdoches and all that sort of stuff. Monotony. Yeah. Or metonymy and synecdoche. Yes. We learned those vocabulary words, which I forget now. That happened back in, in episode 19 Doug Peters of the Zamboni Company, telling us everything you ever wanted to know about ice resurfacing. We needed to have Doug on to kind of help dispel the myth of what I've been saying all along, Bob. And you want to set me up for it, Bob? Matt, what's the one thing you need to know about ice resurfacing machines? Bob, all Zambonis are ice resurfacing machines, but not all ice resurfacing machines our Zambonis. It's very, very important. Um, but just so you know, we uh, we took this incident as an opportunity to educate also, so it was actually fun for us. And for whatever reason, Doug, since our podcast with you, some people out of the woodwork in both of Bob's and mine lives have come out and said, that was really cool episode to listen to. And then we've been getting pelted with tweets and emails and instant messages with the Flaming Zamboni incident feed that was happening. So we've become kind of like ice resurfacing machine experts within our own friends and group of friends. (laughs) Maybe what we're going to need to do is do an Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast with you two gentlemen as our guests. Right. I would love to do that. Thanks so much for uh, arranging to come on. I know that we had like this little awkward exchange and everything. So, yeah, I, and I hope you understand. We sometimes get put in positions uh, like this where we have to make sure that people are aware that there are other ice resurfacer brands out there, while still not taking pokes at the competition. When because it could have just as easily been us that were faced with this uh, this situation. 
Yeah. Well, as everybody knows, just to set the stage, about a month ago, I think it was at October 14th or so, there was an incident in Rochester where an ice resurfacing machine uh, had a problem, caught on fire. People videotaped it. It went on Twitter and everything like that. It went viral and it was re- in almost every case, news stories refer to it as the flaming Zamboni. When, and if the headline didn't refer to it, uh, some sort of reference to, to the Zamboni proper uh, was in the article. Yep. So that's what happened. So, Matt, remember that story about um, my kid losing the game 18 to nothing in the Super Series? Yes. That was at that place. Do you also remember when we were talking to Doug last time and I asked, well, why would you guys want to make sure that you clarified your brand? Wouldn't you want Zamboni to be synonymous with ice resurfacing like a Kleenex? And you said, well, what about negative publicity? And you pointed out an incident that happened. And then here, what, a month and a half later, this happens. And so we get the perfect example of why it's so important to protect the brand. Yeah. And then I guess, as you know, we've been going out of our way to clarify things for our followers and listeners but i wanted to just hear you talk a little bit about uh you know how you guys found out about it and how you responded and then i want to get into the the technical aspect of how the accident actually happened sure i i will touch and clarify just at the start that it was a hydraulic oil leak uh that in theorizing what occurred was the fluid hit either catalytic converter or a muffler and that's what caused the fire. Fortunately, it was not fuel related for if it was, that could have been a far different outcome. And uh, quite possibly, I don't you like to use the word tragic on a routine basis, but um, it could have had more dire consequences for the operator and people within the building. So, okay. So that was not fuel. No hydraulic fluid that caught on fire. Okay, as opposed to that, was it LNG fuel that was aboard that machine, you think? Liquid propane. So that would not be great if. No, that would have, that would have created um, probably a, a far different scenario than what occurred. And uh, there's a lot of discussion about whether the operator was crazy or heroic. We are just thankful for him that he was able to get the machine off the ice without causing himself or anybody else harm. And, you know, the filming stopped, so we have no idea what transpired once he got it into the resurfacer room. Yeah. Um, but he was courageous to do what he did. Media misinformation regarding resurfacer incident in Rochester, New York. There have been numerous improper references to Zamboni in connection with an unfortunate incident in Rochester, New York on Wednesday, October 14th. The ice resurfacing machine seen on fire in the photos and videos which were shared online was not manufactured by the Zamboni company and should not be referenced to as a Zamboni, which in and of itself is an improper reference as a noun. We appreciate the numerous posts by members of the public where they have taken the opportunity to point out that it was not a Zamboni brand ice resurfacer, illustrating the awareness that use of the brand name Zamboni as a generic product descriptor is incorrect. All right, here's what our friend from uh, Washington State sent to me. Uh, This is Dan. 
I went to college with him. He's a, a big outdoorsman, uh, but he listens to the podcast as a non-hockey player. Enjoyed the Zamboni episode. From the youngest age, I would tell my kid, you need to do some Zamboni work. And he would get a napkin and clean his face of chocolate or ice cream or something. As we were driving today, I did not look at the pictures. I asked Elliot, what does Zamboni mean? This kid's about 13 or something. He replied, I guess cleaning my face? And he says, I'll, I'll show him the pictures. I've long been fascinated by them, and now I know more. Thanks. Well, I'm glad that I was able to enlighten. I hope that I didn't bore your listeners with uh, all my stories, and it was a lot of fun. I, I was praised by several of our uh, staff members with uh, when they listened to the, the podcast that you guys produced. It was uh, I got some nice compliments, which I thank you guys very much for your kind editing to make me sound somewhat intelligent. <laughs> we do our best to put our, our guests in the best possible light, Doug. Yeah, any oh. any responses that are longer than about 90 seconds get chopped up. <laughs> anyway. That had to be about 100% of them. I so pretty much, yeah, we left a lot of Dougie <laughs> on the floor. It would have been a two-hour deal otherwise. Yeah, we left a lot of Dougie on the floor. <laughs> anyway, so getting back to the Rochester incident, I just had a couple of more things. Sure. Um, in terms of how the fire started, that was more a function of, you, know, I, you probably didn't do any forensic analysis on that machine, um, but you know, speculating, that was more a function of a lack of maintenance or just a, a mishap on an older machine? It, it was an older machine and our competition came out with a statement uh, that you can probably research and find on the internet. Mm -hmm. It's something we could speculate as to what it is. And because it's not our machine and I don't know the internal workings of their machines, I'm gonna just say that it was a hydraulic oil related incident. And if you yeah. take a look at the videos that are out there, you'll see a great big red streak behind the machine. That's not due to- That's the hydraulic fluid. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's okay. the start of the fluid. And the theory would be that there was a ignition source. Well, I didn't realize until not that awful long ago that hydraulic oil can catch on fire. Like if you had, and so can engine oil. Like if you have a, you've drained the oil in your car yeah. uh, and you're changing the oil in it, if you expose it to the right kind of heat, it can catch on fire. And that's something had to have caught the hydraulic fluid on fire speculate okay. what it was but that's what is the the gist of it in terms of, of getting the situation under control i was surprised to hear that there's not some sort of uh fire safety equipment on board i'm picturing something along the lines of like a, what's called like an anzol system that you'll see in a, in a commercial kitchen right you can just mm -hmm. press a button and it sprays fire extinguishing stuff at whatever might be uh, catching on fire but i think in a situation like a kitchen that there's a much higher probability because you're dealing with open flame, you're dealing with grease in yeah. the cooking process. And, you know, that'd be like saying you should have a system like that on an automobile or on a forklift. And it's yeah. just not practical because a machine is not supposed to become engulfed in flames. And okay. um, I, I think that depending on where someone is, depending on province, if they're in Canada, depending on state, if they're in the US, 
there may be some regulations about requiring a fire extinguisher on board, but okay. that's going to you know, vary from municipality to municipality, state to state, province to province. But it, it is something that I think is going to probably come down from something like this, where if they didn't think about it before, they will think about it more so uh, in the future to equip machines. But there are governing bodies that make rules about safety at ranks and so forth, right? How would you get fire extinguishers on board these machines? I think there's going to be best practices that are recommended by industry organizations, such as ORFA up in Canada. What's ORFA? Uh, Ontario Recreation Facility Association, okay. if, my, if my memory serves me right. And then there's uh, U.S. Ice Rink Association, and there's ISI, which is the Ice Skating Institute. There's NISPA which is the New England Ice Skating Managers Association, or Northeastern Ice Skating Managers Association. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a bunch of regionals, and then there's a couple nationals. It's going to vary state to state, just like there is on air quality standards. Yeah. Uh, as to it's not the same in Florida as it is in Minnesota or Massachusetts or Rhode Island or okay. Maine. But you must have some sort of a relationship with these different places. Generally support and are members of the organizations and when invited, we will talk about safe and proper operation of our equipment. As a manufacturer, we the last thing we want to have happen is somebody get injured uh, yeah. or there to be an incident. And this is one of the things that, you know, we I think we talked about electric machines before and it might hasten the desire to go to an electric machine uh, down the road. This is why you wait till the doors close before you go onto the ice for your practice or game. Yeah, it, it would be a good time to uh, to state to people, uh, and hopefully with the listeners, if you or parents, if you've got kids, don't let your kids go on the ice for any reason until the ice resurfacer, whether it's our brand or the other brand, uh, is off the ice. And things can happen. You know, if you're dealing with a kid who's four and a half feet tall on skates, you might not be able to be seen in the front of a machine. And the last thing I want to hear about is somebody getting injured due to their negligence. It's not the operator. The operator's not looking to run somebody over. You know, keep the kids off the ice, wait till the doors are closed, then go out onto the ice. I know you want to get out there, but uh, give it a wait and pay attention to what the coaches are telling you and what management of the facility is telling you. The Ring Stories podcast is produced by Matt Hoff. Artwork and music by Ken Klein, TFIC, and the Monobs. Narration this week by Sophia Hoff. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Ring Stories podcast. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. The Throwing One Back podcast is Matt's new podcast where he hosts. The Throwing One Back podcast is available wherever podcasts are found. Back to the show. With the benefit of hindsight, if you were on that machine when that happened, what do you do? Boy, I don't know. Uh, that question has been bantered about uh, on several Facebook pages. I give the guy kudos for getting the machine off the ice and not 
causing a big problem. And it was debated in our podcast uh, discussion with Terry Pichet. Yeah. What do you do? And now you look at it and go, he did the right thing because he got the machine off the ice. It didn't melt into the ice. It didn't create a situation where maybe one of the fuel tanks became engulfed and that caused a problem. Uh, so I think that what he did worked, but I don't know if everybody's going to react the same way. I don't know how people would, you know, what their training would be to tell the operator. There's people that said, well, should have tried to figure out where the flames are coming from. And it's easy to sit and armchair quarterback it from the outside. I just, yeah. uh, again, the bottom line, nobody got injured. The machine got off the ice. They were able to extinguish the flames and everybody lived to tell the tale right. another day. Yeah, it worked out great because I, I certainly would have based on all the fire safety training I've taken over the years and different jobs and stuff. I would have, as I think one of your guests said, I would have turned everything off. I would have stopped the machine. I would have got off and ran away. Yeah. Because you don't know if something is going to explode or whatnot. So anyway, we're glad that that guy ended up being okay and that his decision ended up working out. I had that too. Get off the machine and run is what I wrote down. So this guy's a better person than me. So but I just wanted to just say, you know, there's one of these things. I'm in California. You're from California. The idea out here is all publicity is good publicity. You guys just got an opportunity to educate the audience. Say that was not our machine, but don't forget, we exist. We're an ice resurfacing machine. We're Zamboni. You got out in the public. Um, nobody died. It was flaming. It was a lot of fun for a lot of people. And you know, it's the kind of thing that gets a lot of traction. And you guys got a lot of publicity out of it. And you weren't the negative publicity ultimately. So I think it's a win-win-win all around for Zamboni Company. The problem that I see with it is, and if you saw some of the debate that was going back and forth on some of the Facebook pages or on Twitter, social media sites, the concern we have concerned obviously about the individual and making sure that nobody get hurt but we don't want to lose our registered trademark of zamboni because it becomes genericized and that's where paula does an awesome job she was all over this she was probably awake at four o'clock in the morning on the morning after it happened and was dealing with uh, trying to educate people through that entire day and, and into the next day, just to make sure that people understand that, you know, we're not trying to create a situation where we're poking at the competition. We are doing it to protect our name and make sure that it doesn't go the way of uh, zipper and aspirin and a few others. And there was one that she pulled up uh, a very good statement by the people that produce Velcro. And it uh, was something that our management uh, really found it to carry a lot of weight. And you know, ask some of the people who've lost uh, their trademark because they haven't protected the name. And that's part of what you know she's saddled with having to do. And I give her kudos because when this started going on, you know, seeing it on my phone, I'm going. I don't want to have to deal with this all day tomorrow and I know somebody else is. You guys did a great job and you did not call out the competition. You just made a statement that it was not you. 
there was discussion everywhere about ice resurfacing machines and Zamboni. I'm sure you guys trended for probably a week. 13 million views. What, do, what would you pay for that? You can't put a price on it. Okay. So the ultimate thing was nobody got hurt. You had a chance to educate people that there's more than one machine. And you got 13 million people to pay attention to Zamboni. I again say it's a win-win. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's just a win-win. And we, we hope that it is. It, it's something that we hope people will look at us and say, hey, Zamboni did things the, the right way to, yep. uh, to, to address this situation. I tried to understand why this had the legs that it did. And with the world that we live in today, I don't understand it because I would have thought that the impending election or something else might have been more newsworthy. Oh, dude, dude, it was spectacular. Are you kidding me? Dude, you're not 14 in the TikTok universe. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? I, I agree. I it's don't understand the TikTok universe as a sick video and a visual, and they put it to music and back and forth. I mean, every pyromaniac. Just, un, yeah, unbelievable legs. It. You're kidding me? They probably put it to 14 different cool songs that are out right now. It's unreal. It wasn't really sad for anybody the way it might have been for uh, people. Nobody died. Nobody got injured. That was the reason they could actually do that and make it, you know, more fun. But if somebody got hurt, it'd be a whole different situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. totally. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna put this in there, Matt. But like, I'm a little sore at Coach Schaefer of the Cornell Big Red. Okay. What do you mean we're not gonna put it in there? You're gonna dog the Big Red. It's going in there. How much do we blow smoke up his pant like week to week? Yeah. Right. Every episode. Yeah. I write him a very proper email about this long. Using his Cornell uh, English literature degree. Ten cent words in there. I'm a contemporary of his. He was on campus when I was on campus. Class of what, Bob? Class of a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> I am one year uh, younger than Coach Schaefer. Contemporary, indeed. Yeah. If you know Coach Schaefer out there, give him a nudge. Say, why aren't you writing back to Ring Stories? Ring Stories is talking about you guys all the time. 25 episodes, 23 mentions. Something like that. Yeah, there's one or two episodes where we didn't go into it, the whole thing about the Big Red. I think we talked about, though, that the last time, though, in that I cannot say go Big Red because if they don't drive our product, I just, I'm not going to say they're dead to me. I, I find it difficult to root for somebody who doesn't use our product. In a new episode, I chat with Moose, Rebecca Morse of the Riveters. We talk about becoming an NHL, NWHL All-Star, dry land training during the shutdown, her time with Providence College, meeting Lou Lamorello, enjoying fireworks with the Isabel Cup, bottle service tips for middle-aged guys, and much, much more. Where was Bob last week? Home. I, I was at home basically the whole time. As long as we're piling on Cornell, let me just add a couple more things. All right. Well, you want to wait, wait, hold up, Bob. Let's just take a moment, okay? 
do we want to pile on or do we still want to get Coach Schaefer? You got to make that call right now. I just had a couple of other factual things that I want to point out. The first one is that Tara Mori, the head coach of the Princeton women's team, declared Lina as the biggest shithole rink. And secondly, you know the Cornell alma mater tune? I do. Okay, so my kid goes to this school. It's a Catholic school. And they have an opening of the semester service or mass or whatever. And we're all watching on Zoom as a family. And they said, okay, before we adjourn, kids, let's all sing the ex-school song. And the ex-school song is the same tune as far above KU's waters. The same exact tune. And then um, my wife goes, uh, wait a minute. I know that tune. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's the Cornell Big Red alma mater. And she's That's like, not where she knows no, it no, from. no, no. It's also the tune for the alma mater of Altoona Regional High School in Altoona, Pennsylvania. So that tune's all over the place. I thought you were going to say, no, I've heard that in the Ring Stories episode. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there's there's only so many of these uh, hymn-like uh, alma mater tunes to go around. Yeah, pretty much. So you're not so special, Cornell. <laughs> This whole little sketch right here is going to be in the next 17 or 18 episodes. Don't you worry. No, that's all off the record. Off the record, my butt. This is recording on my machine. (laughs) Anyway, we got to let Doug go. Biggest shithole arena. Lina. You mean Lina? <laughs> I don't mean. <laughs> Talk during wrist shots. He never talks. <laughs> yeah, that was a toughie. All right, everybody, ready? Deep breath, ready? <laughs> you know, I noticed that um, last season they they put some fresh polyurethane on the benches at Lina. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't recognize it. And they have a jumbotron. I think I could smell it. (laughs) The Jumbotron is like slightly bigger than the TV I have in my living room, but it is technically a Jumbotron and you can sort of see replays. It is. It is. I I saw a couple replays this year there that were nice. Cara Moore, head coach of Princeton University women's hockey team, episode 17. No pond skate today. Kids inside on frozen sheet. The ducks glide outside. And that'll do it for this week's episode of the Rink Stories podcast. Once again, we want to thank our guest, Doug Peters of the Zamboni Company, for breaking down that unfortunate incident that happened in Rochester, New York in October. For Matt Hoff, producing on Beverly Hills, California, this is Bob Winter saying, have fun, stay safe, rink stories. <laughs>